Welcome back. Today we've got a whole episode reflecting on the impacts of COVID on our working lives, our family and ourselves. But before we dive in, we thought it would be a good idea to sort of just give ourselves or remind ourselves of three key changes in sort of the, the timeline of when COVID restrictions started to come off. So just have a listen about what happened when and sort of cast our minds back to that time. So in the UK, on July the 12th, 2021, the main COVID restrictions were finally lifted. So what that meant was the removal of an instruction to work from home, but returning to workplaces was expected to be gradual. Social distancing and face covering requirements were lifted, but sensible precautions were encouraged. There was a relaxation of travel quarantine rules for the fully vaccinated, but a red list remained. Removal of self-isolation requirements for fully vaccinated close contacts, but not until later in the summer. So then the next key date was February the 24th, 2022, and all COVID restrictions were lifted. Most importantly, they required a self-isolate with a positive result. So basically we started treating COVID like any other flu or infectious seasonal virus. And then on March 18th, 2022, not that long ago, all travel restrictions were lifted in the UK for people either entering or leaving the UK. So that was really the most significant signal that the restrictions, you know, the, that we had been gradually getting rid of were lifted. So at the time, it really felt like the July the 12th, 2021 removal of restrictions was the moment we all started to move some way towards returning to some kind of quote unquote normality. But did we or are we still adjusting to the new normal? And here we are 16-ish months on from that first significant lifting of the biggest restrictions to daily life. And we're only really a few months beyond the March deadline. And so we, this is what we wanted to do is to spend some time reflecting on what's changed, what hasn't changed, and what are those longer lasting impacts on work, family, and life overall. It's interesting hearing you talk through those stats, Eve, because when we decided we were going to do this episode and I, you know, it just felt so current, but it kind of shocks me when I think how long we've been in this state really from the beginning of the first lockdowns and the reduction of the rest restrictions. And yet I still feel that the workplace in particular, probably less so family life, although work obviously influences that, that, you know, we're, st we're still finding our way in the workplace post-COVID. Definitely. It's, yeah, it's a kind of work in progress, essentially. And I think one of the things that really struck me about the experience of COVID and everything that's come since is how, although the pandemic kind of united us in a way I think in terms of our experiences of it it also created quite big distinctions between people there was a sort of separation and I think our I think our title for this episode COVID hybrid and me the me part is quite significant because I think it's it's very hard to talk about this with a group of people without getting very differing opinions about how well you know 
how work has been affected for them, how life has been affected for them. I mean, in some ways, the the pandemic itself instantly created those sort of different experiences. You know, even reaction to the, you know, to COVID itself. Some people had very light symptoms. Some people were really ill. Some people never caught it. Other people died. You know, it's That's just true. terrible. And you and you didn't know how you were going to experience that. And then work typically has been experienced that has united people, that kind of daily grind of whatever job you're in, the commuting, the moaning about or enjoying the company of your colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I think both the moaning is part of the enjoyment sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's depending on what your job was um, before the first lockdowns and since, you know, depends on how much um, hybrid working or all the lockdowns affected you. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for for people who work in offices, you know, huge, huge impact in terms of, you know, working from home and what that did to your home environment and your relationships with colleagues and obviously the benefits of lack of commuting if if you you know travel to your work workplace um but then you know in complete contrast you've got people on the front line who are still having to go in you know yeah, it, yeah. and and actually even people working at home who are working with frontline services working extremely long days i mean we've got friends haven't we working you know running um sort of community and social services who were working 12 plus hour days, you know, people working in social care who were making arrangements for residents or, you know, other people within their care, basically, um, as the as the government guidelines changed weekly, it became a huge workload for a lot of people. Yeah, it was like a constantly moving target oh, um, definitely. where the rules were shifting all the time and the requirements were shifting and the support required was shifting. You know, yeah, it was incredibly stressful, I think, for those people. And like you said, the the experience is really different depending on what your job is and also your location. But also, you know, I think when I think about what's been in, um, you know, what I've been reading in the media and in TV, the emphasis has very much been on people like us who are knowledge workers, who can, you know, work in offices, who probably have a spare room in the house, who probably have a garden. Whereas there's lots of people that don't get talked about, you know, who live on their own, who don't have space in their houses, you know, yeah, or, or they, a shared house. Yeah, exactly. Or don't have a garden. And for them, it was extremely difficult, yeah. um, you know, to work and uh, work from home. So the removal of the access to their office was really difficult. So I've got a really yeah. interesting stat for you. So the Office of National Statistics estimates that only 46% of workers can work from home and it changes depending on the region that you're in. So in London, it's 57% and somewhere like the West Midlands, it's only 35%. So, you know, that sort of inequality that you were touching on, it really mm -hmm. makes a difference as to sort of what your net experience was. And if you could work from home or if you did have to go out, like you've worked for the NHS or like you said, social services, it, it was a very different experience. Yeah, definitely. It was the, it was the space at home that was one of the hardest bits for me 
during the pandemic because um, I was working in an office-based role. So was handed a laptop and sent home. My husband is a secondary school teacher and you know, I've got two children at school, one of which was in primary school at the time, one of which was in secondary school, you know, coming up to GCSEs. And suddenly all four of us were at home working simultaneously in, I don't have a tiny house. I have a very bog standard sized house and, you know, but it was, it was a very space hungry um, phase of our lives and um, my uh, my husband and I were we had one little spare room slash office downstairs and the sort of dining room kitchen and we you know took turns of who worked at the dining room table and who worked in the office so my husband was teaching um, a class of secondary school children which he couldn't see <laughs> but he was two rooms away, projecting his teacher voice very loudly. I listened to every single one of those lessons from two rooms away because suddenly our house had turned into a school. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, no <laughs> the noise used to drive me insane <laughs> because I felt like I was in, in that room as well as in my work environment. And then at the same time, I was trying to help a child who's at primary school with their work and then make sure uh, the teenager was actually doing some work. So, you know, what is a very normal size house just suddenly felt like not the right environment for four people working at the same time, not to mention hungrily eating the Wi-Fi, etc. But, you know, I consider myself to be really lucky that I have a house yeah. with more than one room and a garden and all of that. But I think everybody's experiences were just so different during that time. And it made, it's really made me look at my house differently. And like long time, okay, we're going to be working in a hybrid way, which is not actually that, that unfamiliar to me because having, you know, worked at, as a freelancer, I have worked at home a lot. I just happened to be in quite an office-based role at the time. Mm -hmm. And then knowing that I was going to be working more and more at home, I mean, obviously the teacher went back to school and the children went back to school. But for me, it was this was going to continue and I needed to make sure that there was space where I could do that. And I think that's, I think more and more people are looking at their homes in different ways. That, that sort of merge of home and work life which is is going on which I, I guess you know is part of the hybrid experience isn't it that right a lot of us are having yeah and I think hybrid is here to stay and before we go a little deeper on that I want to just clarify um, and use the definition of what is the difference between hybrid and flexible because we will be talking about both so essentially the main difference between hybrid and flexible working are Hybrid working only refers to flexibility with the place of work. So, for example, hybrid workers work partly from an office and partly from home, whereas flexible working covers a lot of other things. It covers working hours, place of work, time of employment, and sort of, you know, sort of everything about your employment contract is is what flexible working touches on. So yeah. I wanted to sort of get that definition out there because they are different. And, um, you know, when we talk about hybrid working is here to stay, it, the assumption is, is that, you know, people will continue to work from home as part of their 
their working week and that you know people are making different arrangements based on what suits them what suits their employer whereas flexible working which i do want to talk about a little bit um because i think people are starting to come around to that as a you know as almost a byproduct of dealing with hybrid working does that make sense to you as well in your experience yeah i mean i notice now on you know when in job um adverts the the flexible working offered option is there you know for most for most organizations i think it it does vary doesn't it mm-hmm. and i suppose it depends what people want out of flexible working I, I mean i always think flexible working is more about flexing your hours but i think hybrid allows you to do that anyway you know exactly. I, know a, I know a lot of people who will start you know if they're working at home will start early and then for example you know quite significant for anybody you know caring for children which is you know let's face it it's mainly uh, the majority will be women um being able to take their children to school or pick them up from school and then kind of go back to work and flex around that situation yeah. you know it's just really helpful and i think hybrid naturally lends itself to that if people but it's not just about children is it if you want to go to the gym for an hour or you know in the middle of the day and you want to work longer or one one or two hours or something you want to do something if your employer is happy with you doing that i mean i think that fits into flexible working and hybrid makes it possible yeah and that's what i think is really interesting about what we've all been through through covid because it is actually fairly recent you know that we've really sort of come through it and i think what's really fascinating about it is that the genie's out of the bottle right you know women for example have been asking for flexible slash hybrid working for a really long time yeah. and lots of companies have been really resistant to it they you know they believe that it just can't work well we've just proved it works you know we've got the technology now we have all the systems all the you know tools like teams and zoom and whatnot and we've proved that it can work and you know during and quickly too right people stood up these systems really really quickly and Mm -hmm. moved people from the office to home and exactly as you say like they're more flex you know people have been flexible with their time and how they work and they have figured out and negotiated how to do that i'm sure nobody does it perfectly and i'm sure there's plenty of people who are struggling with it But what I've also really enjoyed is that sort of transparency about what you're doing has also been a byproduct of it. So for before, you know, if you worked from home, people would sneak off to the gym and pretend they were doing something else. You know, it's like, uh, oh, I was uh, I was in a meeting. Whereas now people are much, in my experience, are much more transparent. They say, look, I plan to be at the gym at this time. Can we do this meeting at another time? And I find that's kind of transparency about what you're doing much more helpful generally in terms of people being more accommodating, and having a, a closer bond in working together and collaborating more tightly because you understand that person, what their responsibilities are or what their interests are, and you get the flexibility back in return, or at least if you don't, you should, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. Like, I think some of these longer term consequences aren't necessarily as valued as they should be. And this for me is a really big one, is that transparency that helps people trust each other and say, you know, of course I will help you go do your yoga session and I will hold back my questions until you get back because I'm gonna need to go do my laundry and whatever. And then, you know, and it is that sort of bringing people closer. I've done, I've really kept up with washing. 
since um, <laughs> we were more at home. <laughs> Definitely. I just can't. Sometimes I feel like the washing machine is one of my work colleagues because I spent quite a lot of time just it's become my my you know whereas people might have chatted in the tea room I think I I spend quite a bit of time you know unloading and loading as I keep walking past it and uh, keeping things going I think yeah and I've know. talked to lots of people you know uh, so when you know during the pandemic I was consulting for a company and and very embedded in the company and I talked to a lot of people about their day-to-day -day experience and how it was going for them you know partly just to reach out and make sure they were doing okay and that was the thing that most people talked about they said it's just great I can do a call set some laundry going or put something in the oven and then I can carry on with my day they felt much more sort of a work-life balance they didn't feel so stressed all the time like I've got to do these things and I haven't got time because I can't access it or like you said like going to pick up the kids or go visit their their elderly mom during the day when you know otherwise it would be impossible so all that sort of managing all your multiple responsibilities became actually much more possible I think it is I think it, I think it is much more possible and it's brilliant, particularly for women who are often juggling a lot of the home or care responsibilities. But I must say, sometimes I do get a bit sick of it because I do find the home a bit of a distraction. Like when I go into the office, I don't think about whether the desk is going to be clear of whoever's worked there beforehand, <laughs> although saying that you know, with the whole hot desking thing, sometimes you don't know what you're going to find. And I do tut a bit and clear away crumbs sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but you know, at home, what I find is, is I find it very hard, like not to put some washing on and not to make sure the kitchen's tidy and before I start working and things like that. And on the one hand, that's really great because when I finish work, you know, I feel like I'm on top of things. But I also do value and have always as a working mother have always valued getting away from the domestic environment and focusing purely on work because I think that is you know it's, it's something that is, is very it's it's good I think yeah women. it's good for everybody but I think it's I mean, it doesn't help to come back and have all of those things to do. It's a tricky one, really. It's just sometimes it's quite nice just to walk out the door and leave it all behind and focus on your job. And I think that's really important sometimes, which I guess is why hybrid works, because you can have those you can have those days where you just want to be at home and want things to be more flexible and those days when you um, you go into the office. I would like to come back to a point you made though about how suddenly everything became, you know, the sort of technology became possible mm -hmm. um, for everyone to be at home. So at the time I'd had a bit of a break from work. So I'd just gone, I was doing a job a couple of days a week in a really lovely office and everybody in the office was office-based. Um, you know, sometimes they did visits and things, but in general, most people were office based and that was the way that office worked. And it was, there was never any question of people working at home, which is not what they did. They came in, did the job, you know, went home and, and then suddenly, you know, pandemic happens. Suddenly everybody's got a laptop. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going home. 
you know, overnight, we're all doing virtual meetings and everything is possible. And it's like, it's like a sudden, it was like a revolution in some ways, not for everybody, Definitely. not everyone's, I mean, I'm really talking about office workers, although having spoken to people, I think we, we can extend this conversation into other, other professions because I've spoken to people who work, you know, in the NHS and will care, like doctors and nurses. Yeah, like doctor's are, appointments online have been awesome. Yeah, doctor's appointments online and a friend who is a, um, works with a hospice and um, is able to do some consultations online, not specifically for the um, hospice, but around um, some of the therapies that are offered to families mm-hmm. and um, and people who, you know, sort of are in long-term care and a friend who's an oncologist who was describing how, you know, a lot of the pa- patients in his care long-term had sort of regular appointments, which didn't need to be done face-to-face and actually they enjoyed having them online you know rather than having to come to the hospital environment which was very stressful you know if they were sort of checking in kind of appointments or yeah they might not be very mobile you know yeah all sorts of I mean all sorts of good things to come out of it so I mean I was surprised actually about the amount the way in which has affected what I consider to be frontline services and the way some of those activities could be changed you know in terms of our sort of virtual meetings etc yeah and like your evenings online I thought they were fantastic you know there's not everybody can get down to the school you know at a particular time based on their job or whatever else they need to do it's true they're always ridiculously early weren't they for anybody yeah Yeah. you'd have to leave work at like three to be there for four you just think that is not possible for everybody and doing it online was great you know it meant that everyone stuck to their time limit yes that as well (laughs) like you started on time and you finished on time even if you were in the middle of a sentence bang it's gone so you (laughs) have to become I thought I had to become very efficient with that time slot but you know learning that skill being a bit of a chatty person I don't know if anybody's noticed but um (laughs) that was a skill I really had to learn about how to get through the salient points in the time although I think some of the teachers needed to learn that skill as well but um you know that was much better than hovering behind the person who's in your slot and is not moving and you're in danger of um coughing you know yeah Huffing a lot, huffing, (laughs) and then going off to your next appointment because you you might lose that one as well. And just the general anxiety and level of noise in the room. I mean, it's yeah, it's just a lot a better experience. Although saying that, I still think that face to face is much better. But look, you know, what we're talking about is a huge leap forward in access to technology that most people weren't using. A lot of people were doing this in their working lives um but they weren't not everybody was using um these kind of virtual meets and now we all are and when you think back I mean we're old enough to remember I mean I'm old enough in the workplace to remember life before email 
And <laughs> same here. I remember also <laughs> being life before the internet. Well, and... yeah, 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 absolutely. And I remember what, you know, when I was um, studying and working in offices, people didn't always have computers, you know, I think we we're up to the electronic typewriter when I was temping as a student. And, you know, just seeing people, you know, have computers and then how email change things in the workplace. I, I really feel like this has been another massive leap forward. I think things have been quite static, actually, in the experience of the workplace for the last sort of 20 years. But now this is a huge leap forward. And, yeah. are, you know, are we even recognising this? We've all sort of embraced it, but very quickly. I mean, probably for you and me who've worked a bit more flexibly, it wasn't such a big leap. No, um, but you know, what worries me, though, is the slide backwards. And I'm starting to see more articles, you know, doing research for our podcast. I've been seeing more articles sort of extolling the virtues of being back in the office. And we all know recently that Elon Musk, you know, at Twitter has, you know, mandated everybody back in the office. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of pushback, which is sort of new in a way. But I worry that there's this sort of lazy, old-fashioned command and control kind of management style that's going to sort of wiggle its way back saying yeah but you know being in the office is better it's just naturally better and I disagree I think hybrid is actually it works for a lot of people but it's harder work for management to have to manage you need to engage with people differently you need to communicate more you know you have to act like you know a management and you have to you have to work with your people and you have to give them something whereas if there is a backlash and pushing people back from hybrid it is driving people to leave their jobs because they're like no 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 this is not absolutely necessary as you say the technology is available we've proved that it works so i think employers who are sort of old-fashioned in their thinking are going to find themselves without good quality employees or just unhappy employees. It's hard to know whether are they being old-fashioned or are they trying to highlight in a really clumsy way the benefits of being in a face-to-face -face working environment because I think there are some big benefits. I mean, learning to tolerate annoying people is something that I've had a lot of training in <laughs> in an office environment. Weird. And I think I think it's a very valuable, it's a very valuable skill, you know, working with people of all ages and opinions and sexes and everything. Yeah, you have yeah. to learn how to get along. You, you know. have to learn yeah. how to get along. And I think I do wonder for younger people. I mean, they probably don't care. Um, they're, they're, they're... Or they do it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. They're too, they're too busy assuming that you know, Gen Z are just like, this is the way we should be doing it. Um, and you lot have all got to change. Fair enough. We should be led by the young. I think when you're, when you're first setting out, I think there is, I think there is guidance needed in, a, in new roles. And I do think there are skills to be learned and appreciated in a face-to-face -face environment. One of the things that really worries me is that in a hybrid working environment that I've heard people say that they don't get much done in the office and they, mm, prefer, they get more done. At, yeah. yeah. They get more done at home and it's almost like work has become, unless you're hunched over a laptop with your little fingers wiggling up and down, tapping away, you're not working. Whereas 
there's a different there's more to work than just writing emails and writing documents or whatever you are doing on your laptop filling in your spreadsheet there is a lot of and I think coming from the sort of creative industries I really see and you must see this as well yeah. the benefit of collaboration and how being in a room with people being having conversations with people sparks ideas develops a different perspective on things I'm not saying that everybody should be back in the office full-time not at all hybrid is the way to go but I think it has to there has to be a balance and we have to I think we have to stop thinking of being in the office is a bad thing I think it's a good thing for people yeah. um, and I think it's a good it's it's good to recognize that a lot of a lot of the things we do in meetings and just in casual conversations with people actually develop good relationships with your colleagues and they bring forward ideas and you learn from other people I mean I started a job a new job in lockdown it was quite hard to get us. I mean, my colleagues were amazing, you know, in that doing everything they possibly could to sort of make me feel included and and help me in any way. But it was very hard to get a sense of the organisation. Right. Um, and I think that was and this is a, this was a bit strange, actually, because I have I've worked as a freelance consultant. So I was very used to going into organizations where I didn't know anybody and working on specific projects. But I think that's very different to going into an organization and being with people who are used to working together as a unit and have that dynamic and then coming in and being the new person. Yeah, yeah. I found that I found that quite difficult and I wasn't able it was to ask. It, it was it was sometimes hard to ask what I would consider to be silly questions, which are very easy to do in the office yeah, in a casual I, way. I found this really interesting article uh, by Rebecca Zucker um, in the June 2021 Harvard Business Review, and she talks about re-onboarding people that started during the pandemic as a, you know a really good way of re sort of restarting, rebooting and integrating those people. Because as you described your experience, it's a very common experience because people didn't attend to those kinds of social connections that they needed. So her advice, you know, is summarized this way and it is perfect, which is allow remote hires to bond as a cohort. So that's another thing that's really important is, you know, who are your, your immediate colleagues in your team is one thing. But how do you feel connected to the rest of the business? And those of you who joined as a cohort is often, you know, like, I, you know, back in the day when people used to join in large organizations, you would all go through like, you know, an, um, uh, an onboarding training together and you'd watch the same videos, the same health and safety videos. And, you know, you would see each other in the hall and say hi, you know, because, you know, you joined as a cohort. And so re-onboarding people and thinking of the people who were hired during the pandemic as a cohort, I think is actually really helpful. The second thing she suggests is be thoughtful, make them feel welcome as they spend time on their quote unquote first day in the office because you're sort of, you know, rebooting. And I think that's really important. It's it's exactly as you described as, you know, your colleagues did their best and they were really thoughtful about it. But now that, you know, the pandemic is quote unquote over, they do need to sort of feel welcome at the company. And then by doing so, you orient them on things like the facilities, you, you know, their managers need to communicate with them regularly, which is what you should be doing, whether you're in a hybrid situation or not. 
and this is sort of what I sort of feel about, you know, the manager's job is to make sure that all their team are working as best as they can and as efficiently as they can. They have the tools that they need. They have the training that they need because that's the manager's job, right? To make sure that the team is doing what it should. And then also they, she suggests create a buddy system. So, you know, you're not alone all the time and then create informal team building and opportunities. And what I find so interesting about all this advice is that's what we used to do in the office. You know, you'd create an after drink, you know, after work drinks and everybody would go and have some small talk, but she's suggesting, you know, that these are the kinds of activities that we've kind of forgotten to do, that we have to re-remember to do those things. And we need to feel like a unit of some kind. And obviously family is what often people use as the most familiar unit, but it's, it's not to be, you know, dismissed. Those sorts of feelings of connection build trust, which builds, you know, high performing teams. So there's actually a very good financial reason for doing these from a business point of view to make sure that, you know, you, everybody you've hired is doing their best work. And so it behooves us, if you're a manager, to make sure that you are providing the conditions for that rather than just saying, well, I hired you in, do your job. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is that I mean, we said right at the beginning that hybrid is, is we consider it to be a work in progress really about how, how this works in the workplace now. But what I think what you're touching on is that managers almost need to be trained or advised on how, how to manage a hybrid workforce, because it's just not straightforward, is it? Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, you mentioned sort of drinks after work and stuff. It's funny because I think that a lot of people would just be happy not to do those things. And I definitely think that people who starting to work at home were quite glad not to have some of the social interactions that they were kind of forced into doing. But in the same way that going into work every day may not have been ugh, everybody's cup of tea, in some ways those social interactions were good for you you know, whether you liked yeah. it or not. And to remove them completely is not going to do you good long-term. I mean, I think it, it, it kind of, I mean, for people of our age, I think there's so many advantages. I mean, that's what we're talking about in this podcast, you know, sort of women in their 40s, 50s, 60s in the workplace. And um, probably a, a lot of those people will be thinking, well, I don't care if I ever have to go to another works drinks ever again kind of thing. You're sort of over <laughs> I mean, it. I feel similarly. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think most of those people do have that attitude, do they? And yet you look back on these things with, in some ways, you know, these experiences of, of fondness and, and they're at, they're actually, you know, really good bonding opportunities with your colleagues and um and i also think the planning of these events is always a very a good bonding experience um even <laughs> if the event itself is disappointing yeah uh, but i like the idea of rethinking you know so i just to sort of jump around a bit, but, you know, as one of our friends said, you know, the pandemic was good for introverts, you know, so it yeah. removed a lot oh, of Oh, it's the things. rise. We should call this episode the rise of the introverts because <laughs> they are the people who have benefited most um, in a work environment. 
uh, from the pandemic because no longer is there energy being drained by all the unnecessary interactions from when you leave your front door and uh, whether it's whether it's someone on the bus or the train or just someone you, you know you're passing on your way to the office all of that re removed i mean think of all that um social battery they're building yeah. up Definitely. Um, yeah then, so yeah so i agree with that i think introverts you know have definitely enjoyed you know having some they're gonna take over the world because they're the only they're the only people who can really cope if like if we went <laughs> imagine if we went perf completely hybrid uh sorry no not completely hybrid if we just completely all worked, worked at home, home. Yeah. yeah for the rest of our lives the introverts would definitely take over the world and maybe it's their time maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm betting even they would get bored after a while yeah. it, it would be too much yeah they they would they'd be saying hey why don't we go in the office one day a month you know yeah. as a fairly sociable introvert i would say that definitely sounds okay but you know just you know as a sociable introvert i also don't love work for you know drinks and stuff and enforced fun and whatnot which is why i kind of i kind of like the idea that we have to rethink what how we use those days in the office because i think you're right you know that people and i have definitely said that i didn't get enough done in the office but the work that you're doing is is different in the yeah. office it is it's building relationships it's making connections and you know yeah i don't love the work drinks but they have a they have a place and they have a purpose so yeah. every once in a while i tell my introvert that you know she needs to get a grip and go to these drinks because you you know there were all mad there was a there's a huge scale isn't there from complete introvert to complete extrovert and everybody on that scale needs to be catered for but i think it's funny because you know again referring to our to our title covid hybrid and me i think there is a lot of me now in the workplace and i think there's a lot of flexibility given to employees in some organizations where they can choose what hours and what days that's quite i think it's quite hard actually to create those sort of communities in an office environment when everybody is looking at what works for them i mean it, i don't think it's impossible i think i think again i keep saying the phrase work in progress i think I think we'll get there in how this works for people and it's it's we've always talked about work-life balance and I think the thing is everybody's work-life balance is different and what they want out of it right right and um and you know and I think perhaps it's good for people like us to embrace the, the sort of feeling that work wraps around life whereas I think our early our formative years in the workplace life wrapped around work Definitely. you know you, you made yeah. your work life fit around your job because there was no alternative and that's not necessarily healthy or productive for you or your family and so it's a blessing really particularly again particularly for women who are juggling a lot of things i mean do we feel resentful of our younger sisters who with their flexible working no, I think good for them. I know. think good for them as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it is frustrating, but you wouldn't ever want it any other way than things to just improve. Yeah. Um, but I do hear I do hear people say, well, you know, that they made decisions about their work 
based on the inflexibility of the workplace whereas now people have got much more flexible options and decisions that they can make about childcare or caring any kind of caring duties in the family or perhaps studying or travel yeah. or whatever people want to do in their lives you know that those decisions were you know those decisions are just more flexible and and they have access to roles that perhaps you know they might not have been able to you know when yeah. juggling family and work so it's yeah i mean it's just great isn't it i mean it's just an improvement for everybody basically yeah. and it benefits men as well because oh definitely yeah yeah so i just wanted to pick up again on a point you were making about um the way that flexible working and hybrid working has been sort of conceived like you say it's a work in progress and it's been very much thought about from an individual level, right? Like you were saying, you know, everybody makes individual arrangements with their, you know, with their uh, organization about what works for them. And sometimes that's in conflict with what other individuals might want. Yeah. And I think what we need to get to at some point fairly soon is to actually, and you opened my eyes to this when we were preparing for this, is that to think about it a bit more collectively. So yes, of course, we want to help everybody have whatever works for them but there's also sort of some needs that are also really important which is like the team dynamics and also where the the business that you're working in needs to get to so this idea that it's ultimate flexibility for every individual I think is a bit of a we've gone a bit too far and actually I think it's important that when we are working out individual arrangements with people for flexible or hybrid that we have some sort of non-negotiables so things like well we need to agree amongst the team that if we need a team meeting that everybody needs to be present on x day yeah. so that we can have the team meeting or and I think a lot of organizations do that I think that that's that's definitely coming forward isn't right it? but um, it needs to be negotiated what I worry about is that when it's imposed and so say mm. for example there's someone who on a Wednesday really needs to be it would be ideal for them to do whatever they have to do and the boss says well too bad Wednesday works for me and so everybody has to be in on a Wednesday well maybe everybody else in the team is like man I'm kind of flexible if it needs to be Tuesday it's fine although I'd prefer a Tuesday off that's what I'm really trying to make an appeal for is that more negotiated sensitive way of doing things rather than just well it suits me therefore for everyone else has to do it yeah what I, I mean does it help do you think if up front you, when you're applying for a job when you're in or maybe it's it's a move into a, a different internal role that the manager is able to say well do you know what this as part of this role you need to be here on this particular day or these particular couple of days because these are when we have our team meetings I mean surely if the person is told up front that this is a requirement in the same way that you know it, it's like if you're you know if you're driving a bus they expect you to be in the bus seat on the bus kind of thing. <laughs> I was just trying to think of what was most present. I think I heard the rumble of a bus in the background. It came to mind. I'm sorry if that was a bit random, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't be a bus driver if you're not driving the bus. Yeah. And I think, I think there's an expectation in a lot of roles that you have to be present. And I don't think it, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, the sort of workplace as in the office, because you know, that's the kind of a lot of, you know where a lot of people are based 
and that's where the most choice is in terms of hybrid working is being offered but I, I i mean personally i don't think it's a problem if people you know if you're looking at a job and they say well these these are our requirements basically yeah well uh, one customer i was working with we did develop a hybrid policy and uh we rolled it out to everyone and we did say we couldn't say what days specifically but we did say as part of the arrangement is that that they would be required to be present in the office occasionally and that they would be required especially for things like training in-person training that sort of thing and team meetings for example so they didn't specify which days but they were very yeah, clear I mean, that, that might not be important for all organizations i know yeah. other organizations who have said um come in 40 percent of your hours or that kind of thing yeah others have said specifically number of days which i guess i mean you've got the issue of people working part-time and full-time and flexible working and i mean there's a lot to negotiate is this a big headache for hr we should we should have another one of these discussions with an hr person how Definitely. are you all coping out there yeah well and interestingly as part of this policy we surveyed the staff of about 100 people and in terms of like home versus office working what they wanted it was very interesting it's divided sort of into thirds so a third said they would like one day in the office and that it would be common to everyone a third said two days in the office and then another third said they wanted three days in the office there was a couple of people that said they wanted four or five days uh in the office but you know they were definitely the outliers and so that it might have been you don't know why that is it might be a home environment and we've talked exactly. about you know if you just don't have um a home environment that's conducive to working you yeah. know, or you might just be someone who likes to get out of the house every day, yeah. which is absolutely but, fine. Exactly. But what was fascinating is that there was definitely a desire for both hybrid working and also there was a desire to be in the office. They understood the value of it. So really what we were haggling over was just the number of days. Yeah, that's interesting, though, that that, that response was people were happy, happy to come in, you know, for a yeah. number of days. Do we need to rethink the, you know, the workplaces themselves. Yeah, um, yeah, how they're configured, how many desks you have, meeting spaces. Yeah. I think we do, we need to reimagine how we use the office. It's not the same anymore. No, no, it's a revolution. Yay! <laughs> so to continue our discussion about um, the kind of virtual environment and who it's good for, um, I mean, what about people with um physical disabilities or any kind of health whether it's physical or mental health conditions that they're balancing do you think hybrid working improves the situation for them definitely and i have some stats on that yay um so um you may not know or maybe you do uh, a journalist called anna whitehouse who has set up a site called Mother Pucka. And she is, um, as I said, a journalist. She's also an activist and has been an activist for many years for flexible working for all uh, workers. Obviously, primarily it started from her journey becoming a new mum. And she has a report called Flexonomics, the Economic and Fiscal Logic of Flexible Working, which came out in uh, 2021. It's a great report. I'll include a link in the, the podcast notes. 
So in the report, the key benefits are flexible working would fill the 1.1 million current vacancies with people for whom normal working patterns aren't possible. So for example, people with disabilities or who have significant other responsibilities. And it flexible working also supports the leveling up agenda by flattening out regional inequality. So people can live and work where they want rather than having yeah. to be drawn to certain cities. And London, as we know, has traditionally benefited from this migration. And then there's also lots of good financial data in the report. Um, but just if we use only one figure to illustrate the benefits, there's a potential 1.7 billion annual cost to businesses, which is um, paid every year for refusing flex requests. So in HR recruitment costs, productivity, sickness, and absence. So it's really interesting how, again, this is the distinction flexible and, and hybrid, but you know, they are kind of conflated at the minute yeah. is that there are people who could work you know, in a flexible way. And if employers were smart, they could use them. And like you said, people with disabilities who need a slightly different kind of work schedule or work pattern could do the work because, you know, they've got whatever the skills are, but the, the way that work is traditionally set up doesn't make it possible for them. And then also it then releases, for example, you know, revenue into the regions and it, it, it creates economic value in the regions instead of drawing everyone to London to do the work physically, they can do it wherever. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's brilliant. And, and you know, I have experienced a change in how people, I mean, it's, it's difficult not to talk in a London-centric way, living in London, but, you know, traditionally you, you make decisions based around where the work is. And certainly a lot of people of our generation um, who live in London have moved here because there was a lot of work. Now, I think there is more leveling up around the country and a lot of those Northern cities. There's been a big rise in opportunities, but you know, there still is a lot of, a lot of the bigger industry based in the Southeast, which will probably change over time. But what you're, what you're getting into is people being able to access those opportunities in a different way you know and I've got colleagues who travel a great distance and work work with me in London but not just sort of an hour's commute from Kent or Sussex or that kind of thing who were traveling down from the north and are benefiting from those you know traditionally slightly higher salaries and you know, and then living elsewhere and hopefully taking that wealth back into different regions. And I do wonder what will happen long term about salaries and about, you know, the differentials across the UK if hybrid working continues, because you've got a big, you've got a big difference across the UK in terms of cost of living and house prices, etc. Although <laughs> I think it's starting to it's just now expensive to live anywhere, isn't it? I think what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is it's changing the dynamics, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's giving oppo more opportunity to people wherever you live. I think that's only a good thing. And it creates issues because travel is very expensive. And if you've got to come into the office a couple of times a week, you've got to factor that in. But, you know, if, if your lifestyle can, can accommodate that, then there are just so much more 
opportunities. And the same, actually, if you're living in the South, there are jobs around the UK that you want to do. You can look further afield. It, you know, it's, it's not based on particularly where you live. Hey, actually, there's one thing I wanted to mention about um, when you're looking for jobs. I read recently that pretty much all first interviews are virtual now. Wow. Yeah, that, that is really that you should expect to. I can't remember where I read this. Um, it'd be nice to be able to quote my stats here. But um, for a job where you might, there might be two stages to interviews, it's much more common now for the first interview to be virtual. Which and I think. Sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I mean, one, you don't have to stress about your interview outfit if you're not going to get to the proper second stage. That's only a good thing. And, you know, it, it's just I think it's just more efficient for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. And and because people are working in a hybrid way, getting people together as an interview panel must be so much more difficult anyway. So hmm, this must great. be a beneficial way of doing that as well. But I think it's, um, I think in a lot of industries, it's speeding up the recruitment process for sort of first stage recruiting. I mean, how, how do you feel about virtual interviews? I think they're great. As long as it, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, meeting people in person, I do think camera on is the way to go. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and, but yet when you think about it, there is an analogous version of it. Recruiters have done phone screening for years. It's the same yeah. sort of thing. It's, it's, you know, we think it's something new, but it's not. But I think if it is someone that, you know, you are, who's passed the phone screening and, and passed other sort of obstacles, you should, I'm totally okay with a virtual on, you know, Zoom interview because you get a feel for the person. I think it's great not making them travel, spending all this yeah. money, all this time and energy. Do you feel similarly? Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the traveling to interviews, when you're not sure whether you, the job is right for you and they're not sure who they want it yet. It's, yeah, it's just sensible. It's just yeah. really sensible at the first stage. I would always expect to meet people if I got further and I would never employ somebody unless I'd met them. However, you know, during the pandemic, people were employed without being met, yeah. you know, because they could they couldn't. And that was okay, you know. Yeah. And actually this is a way for people who are overseas, an online interview is perfect because then you 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 know there's none of that, oh well they won't hire me because I live far away right now. It will enable conversations that otherwise would have been more difficult or done on the phone. And I mean, the most important question is slippers or no slippers? <laughs> slippers, definitely. <laughs> but would that make you too relaxed in a, uh, in a, in a virtual interview? Is that a good interview? thing, being relaxed? I think, I, I, think uh, I don't really like interviews and um, I think probably slippers would be beneficial to me. Make me feel <laughs> a bit more comfortable in the environment. And, Nobody uh, needs to know. <laughs> no one needs to know, but I would know. Am I, you know, have I got yeah. my game face on and my uh, work shoes or am I wearing slippers? Indeed. Yeah. So I, I don't know where to put this, but I really do want to read this stat about imposter syndrome. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. So uh, this is uh, interesting data from the Audrey newsletter, which is an HR newsletter that comes 
um, uh, every quarter, I think it is. So in the UK, so, you know, as we know from our previous episode, 77% of people suffer from imposter syndrome. But during lockdown, some people found those feelings decreased due to working from home. So That's according interesting. to, yeah, so according this list, just wait. According to the University of Nottingham, there was a 75% decrease in feelings of imposter syndrome in 2020 compared to the year before when they were in the physical office. That's an enormous change. I can't really get my head around that. That's, why is that? The, it doesn't pass comment on why, but I just think it is a fascinating discovery. And whether it's a long lasting effect, we don't know yet. But there is something about office work that's making yeah. people feel not great about themselves. Okay. Well, we've we've done a lot of talking about the benefits of going into the work, the office environment. But I mean, those stats are saying something completely different, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and this maybe maybe works. it's just a rethinking of the office environment. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, oh. I, I, I just don't know how to respond to that because that's really fascinating. Yeah, um, it completely blew my mind. And I think maybe that's partly why I am such a fan of hybrid working because I know instinctively there is a benefit to being in the office and there's a benefit to not being in the office. I don't think, because I don't think, because we asked, you know, people, didn't we, you know, before this episode, we threw it out there. How do you feel about work now? And I think in general, most people, I mean, not just most, I mean, the majority of people think hybrid working is great. I mean, maybe those those statistics could be people working in a full time face to face environment and then being at home. And I know that a lot of people felt a great relief and a, a release of stress, not having to go into the office every day, not having to travel not having to run you know be running kids in different directions before you know traveling to their own workplace it was a bit of a break in the norm and perhaps that's what it represents and it's it, it must have been a great relief and i definitely feel that people during the pandemic friends particularly you know people of our age who've been in the workplace a long time and have really slogged it out basically yeah. week by week, you know, commuting and just being in that environment all the time. They loved, they absolutely loved it. It was, you know, it was, it was a complete rest, a complete change. However, what I did notice over, over time and as restrictions retreated, people being very glad to start going in again and really feeling the benefits and being surprised at how much they enjoyed a day back mixing with other people. Yeah, and how much they missed it. And how much they'd missed it. And so I think there was, I mean, it was extraordinary, wasn't it? Just this, the way the kind of world stopped for a moment. Um, I mean, I can't speak actually for the rest of the countries, but certainly in the UK, how suddenly our lives were one way and then it was something else. But also, you know, thinking about home stuff, you know, there was a craze for baking. Gardening definitely, definitely was a big thing and online exercise. So, you know, Joe Wicks became, you know. Oh my God. Famous. Yeah. I did that one, I did that one morning. 
<laughs> and the kids just walked away disgust you know yeah but that's the sort of the me part of covid hybrid in me is that people did focus on well what do i need for my own sort of mental health my physical yeah, health you definitely. know getting that balance right and you know and and focusing on yeah like hobbies and activities to not only hold back the boredom too because you know we did all get sick and tired of it but also you know to try and redress that balance that normally we don't really pay attention to like you know you might not have gotten chickens but they actually bring so much joy and, which and very nice eggs <laughs> yes very nice eggs i can attest to that so yeah it's that sort of mental health sort of um yeah. you know making sure that we were taking care of that yeah, I think you're right. And I think it was, it suddenly became okay to think about us and our mental health. It was, it was sort of important and, and acknowledged that it was okay to think about what, what was important for us during that time and what would help us. And I think also it was okay to sort of not be okay. Cause I yeah. think often, particularly in the work environment, you know, you don't really want to come across as a vulnerable person or someone who has, you know, specific needs or anxieties or... Or just that you're having a hard time. Well, that's it. That's it. Or just, just a need for social interaction. In fact, I discovered so many of my friends were introverts during that period because they're all like, oh, it's brilliant. We don't have to go out. We don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> and I, I was a bit hurt at first. I thought, really? What? You mean this whole time? We've been hanging out. You don't actually want to hang out. But I think a lot of that was, uh, well, maybe some of it was me, but no, <laughs> the, <laughs> a lot of that was, <laughs> yeah, I really hope not. That, that's the point, Eve, where you're supposed to go, no, 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 it's not you. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think there was a big reaction, uh, that big relief, you know, we were talking about before of suddenly having a break from life, from people lead really busy lives. Um, and having a break from that was such a relief, but I did, discover definitely that um you know i do need that social interaction it is i missed it i missed that sort of that general community that sort of all the time i like time on my own as much as anybody but mm -hmm. just just that that experience of uh, just the general i don't know the general chit chat of life chit chat of life is is i feel like it's diminishing it's what is really important social connection. And in fact, um, there have been studies about how just those small social interactions that people have just by going and into a shop every day, just to buy a loaf of bread or something. Um, not everybody does that, but, you know, particularly for older people, those small social interactions, if you live on your own, they don't replace everything else, but they are important. They are as important as, you know, the deeper social, bigger yeah, social yeah. interactions that people have, that people really missed those, whether they realized it or not at first, that those little niceties. And I think that's where the workplace comes in. And yeah. it does, it does provide it. It's not there for that reason, but it does provide that well and it's not just the office so I've, I've done a little bit of reading on this and they're called the psychology calls them weak ties and we do need those weak ties they're just as important as the strong ties that we have to mm -hmm. our family our friends and you know deeper relationships but as you described you know just saying hi to someone in the shop or smiling at you know the security guard in the tube 
or, you know, whatever interact, small little interactions you have. And like you said, chit chat and, you know, surface level kind of conversations, those actually are really important for our psychological well-being. So actually it's really important to not just have one or the other. You need a mix of both. So when the children tease me that my best friend is the Hermes delivery lady. You're saying you're doing an important thing to maintain good mental health. <laughs> she's a working mother like me. We have our chats on the doorstep. I think she's a great woman. And um, she certainly kept me going through the pandemic. And I have a very nice female post yeah. person now. You did the same for her through the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we're all helping each other out yeah definitely so definitely. maybe that's a good place to end it so i think we've concluded that covid hybrid and me will be coming back to talk about this maybe in the future because this is a work in progress like we all are thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did let us know about it we also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at RightSide40 or Instagram at RightSideOf40Pod. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing and mixing the original music.